I'm glad to be with you today. I am excited about spending this time with you. I want to say hello to everybody at our campuses and that would be online with us. Uh, I uh, got, uh, we're continuing this series called Four Letter Words. And uh, when I got my four letter word, uh, I actually thought a four letter word, uh, but <laughs> it was just darn. <laughs> I don't know any four letter words. I'm a pastor, all right? My wife knows a lot, but I've asked her not to share those because it just, you know, it's not good for me. So uh, I, I got this four-letter word called pain, and pain is something that I do know about. Uh, I've experienced a lot of pain in my life. Uh, I've broken bones uh, on my arms, legs, nose. Uh, I've broken uh, all different kinds of things. I have torn ligaments. I've torn muscles. I have fi all physical pain. I've been in a lot of pain. But I don't know that I've ever been in worse pain than I was 14 years ago. So about 14 years ago, I was living in Oklahoma, and I woke up one morning about 5.30 in the morning. Now, you need to understand, I don't ever wake up at 5.30 in the morning, okay? I wake up at 5.30 to go hunting, and I try never to schedule hunting at 5.30 in the morning. Um, but I woke up. My wife always woke up. Woke up. She woke up. She always woke up at 5.30 because she had to be at work uh, early so she would, and she had a ways to go. She, she would wake up. So I woke up and I was in a lot of pain. My back was really hurting me and I couldn't figure out why. I thought maybe she kicked me in the middle of the night or done something. And so I woke up and she looked at me and she says, what are you doing up? Which honestly I didn't think was very nice, all right? And uh, I said, I don't know. I said, my back is really hurting me. I don't know what I've done. I've really hurt it. And uh, I said, so I decided, you know what, I, muscle something. So I decided to take a bath. So I take, I run the hottest bath I can. I get in it and it actually soothes it. It makes it feel better. Everything's good. I get up to get out. I towel off and all of a sudden it comes back. Only this time it's worse. All right. It's in more pain. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I look at her and I say, Hey, there is really something wrong with me. I, I mean, there, there's some, this isn't right. All right. There's, there's something wrong with me. And she said, she said, well, is your arm tingling? Does your, is your chest tight? Is it hurting? I said, no. She said, okay, I'm going to work. Get better. <laughs> Which again, I did not think was very nice. All right. And so she leaves and I'm walking around the house like this. I'm just thinking, what is going on? Why? I've never, and it gets worse and worse and worse. Okay. And I'm thinking, I'm going, I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to go to the emergency room. And I, I, I just, I, I can't handle this. Okay. And listen, I know, I know you guys know already that I'm, I'm kind of, you see me as a man's man, all right? I know that. I know I project that kind of thing, that feeling. I get that. But I'm in tears. This is hurting so bad. And so I'm getting my, I'm, I decide I'm going to the hospital. And you know what? If I die, my wife's really going to feel bad. So I get in the car and I'm trying to drive with my left foot and put my right leg up on the dash because I can find no comfortable position. And so I'm driving, I'm weaving through traffic, I'm going through parking lots, I'm doing anything I can, I'm crying, <laughs> I'm in tears. And I get to the emergency room and I go in and I throw my wallet down in front of this lady and I said, listen, you have to get me some drugs. I am in so much pain, I don't know what's going on, I am hurting so bad. And, and here's everything you need in there, just please give me some. So they take me in and they put me, I don't even, they put me in a robe, one of those robes, right? I don't care who sees me. 
There's nothing on my, there's nothing on my mind except, and I'm walking around, they give me something, and I'm walking around like this. I'm like, golly, I can't, this is so painful. And the doctor comes in, and he says, I think you have a kidney stone. I said, look, I don't care what I have, but whatever you gave me is not working. And so they put me on a morphine drip, which was awesome. <laughs> I gotta admit, okay, it was awesome. And I lay on an x-ray machine for seven hours while they try to see what's going on with, with this kidney stone. And uh, so I know about pain. Ladies, even though I'm a man's man, I'm actually now in touch with my feminine side. Feminine side. I've given birth seven times to one set of twins. I know what it's like to be, be in pain. I mean, I, I know what it's like to be in physical pain. I preached not long ago at the East Campus passing a kidney stone. Yeah, that's right, I did. I know what it is to be in pain. But you know what? I've also experienced the pain of a broken heart. I've experienced the pain of disappointing my wife. I've experienced the pain of hurting my kids. I've experienced the pain of losing someone I've loved. I've experienced the pain of losing somebody that I love without a resolution of the relationship. I've experienced the pain of loneliness and depression and worry. I've experienced the pain of financial struggle. I've walked through the experience of pain in addiction. I've experienced the pain of feeling like God doesn't care about me. I've experienced the pain of wondering where is God and thinking he doesn't care. And I've experienced the pain of sin in my life. And I bet you've experienced some pain as well. Depression or fear, worry, sickness, loneliness, financial, your marriage is failing or it's failed. Disappointment, addiction, Pain because of your choices. Pain because of someone else's choices. We've all experienced pain, every single one of us. And here's what I can promise you. You're going to experience it again. Or you've just come out of it. You see, life is not meant to be lived on mountaintops. I wish that were true. Uh, it would be great if it was true, but it's not. And here's the reason why, because, life, because it's life. This is just life. And guess what? Tomorrow's going to come, regardless of what today held. And sometimes life is just really hard, and sometimes life is just really painful. And see, mountains were designed to prepare us for the valleys that we walk, to, walk through. But when we're in the midst of a valley, what it feels like is that we're constantly in the valley. And that God is not listening to anything we say. And so what we tend to do is pull away from God or blame God or we wonder things like I have, where is God? But if you don't remember anything else I say today, I want you to remember this. When your reality causes you pain, when the reality of your life, when the reality of a situation that you're living in causes you pain, I want you to choose hope. 
When your reality causes you pain, I want you to choose hope. And listen to this. The definition of pain by Merriam-Webster is this. A basic bodily sensation induced by a noxious stimulus received by naked nerve endings characterized by physical discomfort comfort, and typically leading to evasive action. Does that sound familiar? I want you to listen to the definition of hope. To expect with confidence. To expect with confidence. So when painful stimulus comes at us, when it comes at you, me, all of us, usually we want to turn inward and run or withdraw or strike back or take evasive action. But what if when that pain came, instead of doing that, we expected with confidence God's intersection with our pain? What if we expected with confidence God's intersection even in our pain? I mean, that's what happened in this book. And here's the reality. This book is not filled with perfect people who always made right choices. It is filled with imperfect people who experience deep valleys in their lives. And yet what we learn is in those valleys, they expected with confidence and God showed up. Take David as an example. I mean, David experienced some really unique mountaintop experiences. And yet, when you read the story of his life, you find that he spent much more time in valleys. I mean, this was a boy who simply loved God and he tended his father's sheep. He had courage and faith and, and that was never on display more than when he faced Goliath. This was it early in his life and and here's the amazing thing about that. At that point in David's life, his courage did not rest on his ability to conquer a giant. It did not rest on five smooth stones or a slingshot. It rested in the absolute confidence that God was going to show up. And so David walked onto that battlefield and expected with confidence that God would be there, and he was. But something changed in David's narrative. Life showed up. And with it came pain. And David experienced the pain of betrayal and the pain of loss, the pain of fear, the pain of abandonment. He experienced pain from his own choices to turn from God. He experienced the pain of anger and unforgiveness. David experienced the pain of his own sin. And he experienced the pain of watching his family literally tear itself apart because of his sin. But... When David's reality caused him pain, he always expected with confidence. He hoped, his hope was in the fact that God would show up and he knew it would happen. And take the 23rd Psalm, for example. You know, the words of the 23rd Psalm have, have offered more comfort and calmed more fears and encouraged more hearts than any other poem ever written, and that's exactly what it is. It's a poem written by King David from the perspective of a shepherd and his sheep. You see, a sheep enjoys peace and contentment because he has the ultimate shepherd. And the 23rd Psalm was most likely written late in David's life. It would have been after all of the turmoil that had beset this man after God's own heart. 
after the hiding in the wilderness, the blaming God, the running from God, the sin he chose, the murder he committed, the turmoil of his family, it came at a time when he could stop and look back through the valley that he had walked through many times in his life, and he comes at it from the simple perspective of a shepherd and sheep, the way his life had begun. Look at verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths that bring honor to his name. And it's interesting to note right here that David doesn't begin in the valley. David actually goes back to remind us that the shepherd he's talking about is God. He goes all the way back to a life before the pain that he experienced and to the time when his spiritual life probably was in really good shape, to the time when he was a shepherd where he protected the, those sheep, to the day when he would be down in the, he would lie down in the pasture, that he would walk beside the stream. When his confidence was not in what happened or what he had done, but his confidence was in his shepherd. And when the inevitable happens, in his life or your life or my life, when we experience pain, here's what I learned, here's what David learned, I am not a reliable guide. In my pain, I am not a reliable guide, but God is. David says he is, and he will lead you along a right path that brings honor to his name. He's reminding himself, and he's reminding you and me that when I have God, when I'm in a relationship with God, I actually have all that I need. And here's why I need him. Look at verse four. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Now some of your translations are gonna say the valley of the shadow of death. But I like this translation better where it says the darkest valley and here's why. The Hebrew word for shadow, shadow of death is psalmowet. And it means darkness or dark shadows. It contains the same root word as the Hebrew word for death, and so you can see why it would be translated like that. I think, however, that the concept of darkness works much better here as it relates to the rest of this psalm. Because just as we're reminded in the previous verses that God is with us, we also see now that sheep don't understand the concept of death, right? Sheep don't understand the concept of death. They don't understand that they might die, but they do understand the concept of entering a dark valley. They understand the concept of the danger that lurks there. I mean, every one of us understand that, right? Because all of us have walked in darkness. All of us at some point have experienced the pain of darkness. All of us know the danger of walking in darkness. In a time before I uh, became a Christian before I gave my life to God. Uh, I kind of lived life on my own and I've confessed a lot of that before uh, a lot of you on other occasions. And so I, I lived a life that was completely away from God that didn't want anything to do with him. And, 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 and when I was in college, I actually, for part of that time, I lived at home and I didn't really live with any restrictions in my life. I basically did what I wanted to do. I came and went whenever I wanted to. I don't think my mom really liked that, but that's just kind of the way it was. She didn't have a lot of control over me at that time. But when I would come in at night, usually it would be somewhere between two and four o'clock in the morning is when I'd come in the house. And I'd always take, we had a tile floor in the entryway and I'd always take my shoes off. I didn't want to wake her up, not because I was being generous. I just didn't want her to know I was here and she'd catch me 
in a condition. Or <laughs> so I would take my shoes off and you would walk out of the entryway and I'd turn left to go to my bedroom and we had a piano, a big, heavy piano that would be there. And of course it was dark and I always knew where the piano was. And so I, I would turn the corner and, you know, walk in really softly. And it never failed that every single night I slammed my little toe into that piano. Because walking in the dark is dangerous. And I swear to you that my mom moved that piano every day so I wouldn't know where it was. I have a deformed little toe because of that experience. We all know the danger of walking in darkness. And you can imagine a valley and a winding path through it. Sides that seem to rise up to nowhere you can't see. And they block the sun and the shadows, the fear. And why? Because bad things happen in shadows. But I want you to look at what he says. In the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me. You're not a long way off. You're not uninvolved. You're not inattentive. You're not, uh, you, you're not interested in my life. You are close beside me. Even when it doesn't feel like it, even when I can't feel you, you are close beside me. And he goes on and he says, your rod and your staff, they protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. You Honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me. Isn't this great? This is what God does all of our lives is pursue us. Pursue me all of the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, you and I in the midst of what we're walking through wait confidently and that means in light of the past, in light of my past, in the valley, in the world that you and I live in, in the circumstances that we are living in or have lived through, many of the things we wish we had done different or had ended up differently, the things here, the things that, that are or the things that will cause us pain, we need to lean into the fact that God is going to redeem our lives. That God will redeem our lives and your hope the hope you have, the confidence that you rest on is not as the world hopes. The world's hope is kind of a finger crossed deal. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But the world, but the kind of hope that he, that he talks about here is not a maybe. It is an absolute guarantee that something is happening, that's going to happen. It's an anticipation of an assurance. It's when the old will be made new. When broken will be restored, when suffering will be healed. And in the, in the waiting, in this valley that we're in, it's the hope that anchors us in such a way that we can persevere. We can endure. It's what anchors us through the pain. Because we know there's a day coming when there will be no more pain. And so with that said, I want to ask you this question. What do you know about valleys? Here's what I think you know about valleys. Valleys are inevitable. They are going to happen, and so you might as well count on them. I mean, you have just come out of a valley. You're in one right now, or you're probably headed toward one. Valleys happen throughout life, one right after another. After every mountaintop, there's a valley. And Jesus was really realistic about it. In John 16, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. 
It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's going to happen. You're going to have difficulty and disappointment and discouragement in life. There will be times of suffering and sorrow and sickness. There are times of frustration and failure and, and, and fatigue. They are going to happen. They are a normal part of life, so don't be surprised by it because valleys are unpredictable, man. You cannot plan them. You can't time them or schedule them. Valleys are always unexpected and they usually come at the worst time when you don't have time and when you're unprepared. Have you ever had a flat tire at the right time? <laughs> ever? They just happen. And usually when you least need them and it's most inconvenient. I mean, it would be great if we could schedule our pain in life. But you don't get to plan it like that because valleys come suddenly and they're unpredictable. Jeremiah 4.20 says that disaster follows disaster. In an instant, my tents are destroyed. My shelter falls in a moment. And the reason is because valleys are impartial. No one is immune to them. No one is insulated or isolated from pain and sorrow. No one gets to skate through life problem-free. Everybody has problems, good people, bad people. Problems, trials, difficulties, disturbances, downtimes, depression. It does not mean you're a bad person. It means you're a person. The Bible is clear that good things happen to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people because valleys are impartial. They don't care how good you are and they don't care how bad you are. In Matthew 5, Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust too. This isn't heaven. Things are not perfect here. There's pain, but there's a day of redemption coming. You have to remember that valleys are temporary because that's the nature of a valley. They have an end to them. They don't last. They are not permanent. David says, even though, look at what he says, even though I walk what? Through. It doesn't say even though I stay in, even though I lay down in. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. The valley is not something you stay in your entire life. It's, not, it's something that you go through, a circumstance, a situation that has a season in it. When you're in a valley, you often think it's a dead end, but it's not. Dave Allgaier talked about this not long ago, about depression, the, the struggle in depression. It's a tunnel. There is a beginning and there is an end. You go through the tunnel and eventually you come out on the back end into the light again. Valleys come to pass. First Peter 1 says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. He admits that sometimes you're gonna go through tough times. It's going to be difficult. Life is difficult, but it's only for a while. He says that even if it's your whole life though, it is temporary as a follower of Christ, even if it's your whole life, as a follower of Christ, it is temporary compared to the light of eternity. He goes on and says, our troubles are short-lived and there's an eternal glory which outweighs anything you're walking through right now. They won't last. They won't last. And it's important to know because pain can actually be productive in our life. There's a benefit to what we walk through if we respond in the right way. Do you remember what he said in the 23rd Psalm? You will guide me along a what? 
not along a path, you will guide me along the right path. Our pain is temporary, but there is a long-term eternal benefit when you go through a valley and you respond and follow correctly. And the reason is because valleys are purposeful. God has a reason for taking us through valleys or allowing us to go through them. Whatever the pain, whether it's doubt, depression, despair, discouragement, or defeat, there's a reason behind it. Peter goes on to say, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The valleys that we are in are not just a freak of nature. God desires to build our faith in the valleys of life. I mean, you and I, we love mountaintops, but you don't build your faith on mountaintops. You don't build your faith up there. You build your faith in valleys. When everything is going fine, you don't need God. But when you come face to face with a dark valley, you get on your knees. Because faith is strengthened in valleys. Faith is tested and proven in valleys. When you don't feel like serving and trusting God and praising God, that's when your faith is tested. Not in the good times of life, but in the valleys. Faith is built in the valleys of life and God wants to build your character. Listen to me. God is far more interested in your character than in your comfort and your convenience. God's goal in life is not to make our lives more comfortable. His desire is to build character. He's more interested in your holiness than he is in your happiness. Holiness lasts. Happiness doesn't. Happiness comes from living holy lives. He wants to make you like Jesus. He wants you to develop the character of Christ. He's going to take you through all the circumstances of life that he took Christ through. I mean, was Jesus exempt from suffering? No. Did Jesus go through times of loneliness? Yes. Will you? Yes. Was Jesus ever tempted to be discouraged? Yes. Will you? Yes. Was Jesus ever misunderstood or maligned or criticized unjustly? Yes. Will you? Absolutely. What makes us think that we're different? We're going to walk through valleys and it's not by accident, but does God cause them? No, he doesn't cause accident and tragedy. God is a good God and he cannot cause evil. He cannot do evil, but can he use them? Absolutely. He can even use the evil done to us by others and he can turn it around and bring good at it by building our character, by building character in this. So what do you do when you're walking through the valley? If that's what a valley looks like and what happens in the valley, what do you do when you're in the valley? Well, I want you to refuse to be discouraged. Look at what he says. He says this. He says, I will fear no evil. Because that's our hope. Because of Jesus. He says, even though I what? walk, even though I walk, not even though I run as fast as I can, even though I'm trying to get out as quickly as I got in, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I panic and I run the other way. No, 
And to walk means to calmly and deliberately make steps through the valley. He says, I am not going to be afraid. I am going to calmly walk through this valley because you can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can only go through it. And he says this, when I'm in it, I will not fear evil. I will. And you know what will indicates? A, a matter of choice. It indicates a matter of choice. And a choice is a deliberate act. So how do you choose not to be discouraged? You do it by focusing on God's power when, rather than on your pain. And I know that's hard. And I know that's a preachy thing to say. But I'm telling you, it's the only answer. Because the world doesn't have the answers to what you're walking through. Do you understand? There's people in here right now that are walking through pain. There's people in here right now who do not believe in God and are walking through pain. And I want to tell you something. The world does not have the answer to your pain. The world cannot answer the question why. You know who else won't answer the question why? God. That helps, huh? God's not gonna give you a question why. You know, why. you know what it's called? It's called his providence. God is in control. Even when I don't understand it. Even when I don't understand it. So you can take two people and you put them in identical situations, a chaos, a tragedy, a crisis. One of them will be blown away by it and the other one is actually strengthened by it. One of them falls apart and the other, is, the other one is strengthened through it and the difference is what you're focusing on because you need to focus not on your circumstance but on your Christ, not on your situation but on your Savior, not on your problem but on God's power. Colossians 1.11 in the message says this, we pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable. It spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Don't be discouraged. And remember that God is with you. David said, for you, will be with me. You are with me every moment. God not only promises his power, he promises his presence in the valley. You will never go through a valley by yourself. You will never go through a dark day alone. God has said, I will be with you. Isaiah 43 says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You are not going to drown, burn up, or die. God says, I am with you. I am with you every step in the valley. God, God does not set up in heaven looking down on us going, I sure hope they make it. I sure hope this works out for them. The promise of scripture is, I am in the valley with you, walking with you, hand in hand with you. He says, I will lead you through this. You know the amazing thing in verse four of Psalm 23, there's a strategic change in language. In the first part of the Psalm, all of the pronouns are in third person. He talks about, he leads me beside still waters. He guides me into green pastures. He restores my soul. David is talking about, talking about God, but when he gets into the valley, it changes to second person pronouns. And he starts talking not about God, but he starts talking to God. And he says, you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. It's in the valleys of life that bring us face to face with God. When all of a sudden the ultimate becomes the intimate, when I'm going through a valley, I don't want to talk about God. I want to talk to God. 
It's when religion becomes a relationship and any mature believer will tell you that the times they've been closest to God were in those face-to-face encounters that only happen in a valley. Because when you're in a valley and you're spent, depleted, perplexed, in despair, and you're talking directly to God, he becomes real and God says, I am with you. You are not by yourself. We enjoy mountaintops, but we come face-to-face with God in the valleys of our life. And he will never be closer than we're in that valley. Revelation 2 says, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you what? A crown of life. That's the hope that we live with. And so I want you to rely on God's protection and guidance. David reminds himself that God's rod and his staff comfort him. And the rod and staff were the two basic tools that a shepherd used to protect and guide the sheep. That rod was basically a a two-foot-long piece of wood, and at the end of it was a heavy knot. And shepherds were skilled at throwing that rod like a missile at anything that would attack the sheep. And what God is saying is when you walk through a valley, I'm defending you. I'm protecting you. When you're walking through the darkest valley, God is not sitting in heaven unconcerned and apathetic. The good shepherd fights for you. While you're fighting for your life in that pain, God is your hope. God fights with you. He's fighting off spiritual forces. The promise of scripture is he's your defender and your protector. That's what the rod represents. And then he says, your staff, it comes from me. The staff was a long stick with a crook at the end of it. And the shepherd used it to guide and comfort. He used the staff to draw the sheep in close to him. He used that staff to lift them up when they're down. He brings them in close with that staff. He uses the staff to guide them. And when you walk through a valley, you are not in it alone. The promise of the text is that God is with you and he uses his rod and his staff to protect and guide you. He will guide you to a level of strength that you will be able to say like Paul, I know how to live on almost nothing. I know what it's like to live in a valley. I know what it's like to experience pain. And I know what it's like to have everything. But I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who what? Gives me strength. When you are in a valley of life, as I already said, the scary parts of the shadows. And one day, someday, maybe right now, a shadow is going to fall over your life. You can count on it. And when those times come, you need to remember the most important thing about shadows. You need to remember that shadows are always bigger than the reality. Fear is always greater than our actual problem. It's a fear that is enormous and shadows cannot hurt you. Have you ever been run over by a shadow? There's a difference between the shadow of a truck and the truck itself, right? Shadows are, listen to me, shadows are image without substance. They cannot hurt you. They can scare you, but they cannot hurt you. They're just shadows. And there is no shadow without a light somewhere. When you're going through a dark valley and you think the sun has stopped shining and God is dead and I'm all alone, you can't see it all and you think you're in total darkness, but anytime there's a shadow, you know what it means? It means there's a light somewhere. Shadows don't exist without light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. When you look at him, you cannot be afraid of all the other shadows around you. They fall behind. 
my grandmother was the person who kind of was the very first person in my family who came to faith. And I think I've told that story uh, here before, but she, she was baptized in a folding chair and braces on her legs and, and she came to faith. And, and when she came to faith, she was all in. And one of my greatest memories of my childhood is going to church with my grandmother in this little church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I called her mama and I would go to church with mama and we would sit almost every Sunday in an old wooden pew about seven rows back that only held three people. My, my mama, me, and my little sister would sit there. And my grandmother loved to sing. She loved to sing hymns. And one of her favorite hymns was Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Don't look at shadows. When you're looking through the valley, when you're walking through the valley, you look to the light. Psalm 90, uh, 34 says, the righteous person faces many trouble, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Every one of us are gonna go through valleys. And the difference, listen, the difference for the one who follows Jesus is not the absence of a shadow, but the presence of a shepherd. God is with you. You know where I learned this? In the last 27 years of ministry, I have learned this by walking with people who have faced some of the most painful things that I have ever seen. People in Oklahoma and here in Georgia at different campuses right here in our church, I have watched them walk through, through painful, painful situations and I have stood in awe at the faith they possess. Recently, I learned it in the life of my wife. My wife is not facing a life-threatening situation, but she face, faces a life-altering one. And I watch her every day choose faith. She doesn't just teach me bad words. She teaches me about faith. Some of you are in a valley right now because of loss or depression or marriage issues or choices or fear or worry. The promise of the 23rd Psalm is this. Provision. You will have all that you need. Peace. You can have rest in your journey. Protection. You can have safety from your enemies. Providence, you will have guidance in times of confusion. Presence, you have a companion, so you are not alone. And paradise, there is something waiting beyond this world. When your reality causes you pain, choose peace, because that's where your hope rests. Father, thank you for your love and your grace.
And I thank you for loving me in spite of my sin, Father. And, and even in the darkest moments of my life, the promise has been you will always be there. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Father, I pray that I could rest on that truth, that I would believe that truth, that I would confidently that I would expect with confidence for you to show up in my life. I pray that for every person across every one of our campuses that we would expect with confidence for God to show up in our life. That when our reality, the reality of our life and the struggle that we face every day, when we are struggling in it, that God, we would expect with confidence you to show up. And that our faith would be built stronger every day. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.